Alleluia, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Alleluia. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The reading from Acts today was remarkable. All who believed were of one heart and soul. They had everything in common. There was not a needy person among them. They sold and gave away what they had. I think we see glimpses of this in the church today. There is a certain unity that we have here. All of you are very generous people. But still, there's something different, isn't there, about that early Christian church. Some would chalk it up to a bygone era, different people, different time, different culture. Some try to find in it a political ideology that we should strive to implement today. And some think those early believers were like that because they thought Jesus was coming back to end all things in a couple of days or weeks or years at most. And when he didn't, they had to scramble to adapt and stopped living that way. Well, there's a kernel of truth in all of those thoughts, but only a kernel. None of them capture the heart of the matter. For in all three of the readings we heard today, there are two truths that hold them all together. Two truths that were life-changing for them and for us still today. And those two truths are what we are especially celebrating this Easter season. Jesus' resurrection from the dead and the forgiveness of our sins. Jesus' triumph over death in the grave and the reconciliation we have in Him, both with God and with one another. Those are the two things that change us, no matter when or where we live. So for those believers in Acts, when you know that Jesus has risen from the dead, that changes everything. That changed them. What seemed so important to you before seems not so important now. We don't have to suppose that they were naive in thinking that Jesus was coming back imminently. Whether he did or not, his resurrection meant their resurrection. His life now formed their life. And it showed. He gave them everything. How could they not now give to others? Even everything they had. But there was something else they needed to be able to do that. And that was the forgiveness of of sins. For you're not going to give to someone that you have a grudge against. You're not going to be of one heart and soul with someone that you resent. You're not going to be generous when you are suspicious. 
when there is forgiveness, when there is reconciliation, when you have peace with God, then you can live at peace with others. Without that forgiveness, we're constantly trying to defend ourselves and justify ourselves, our actions, our value, our needs, that we're right, we're okay, the problem is not with us, but with them. The focus is then not on them, but on ourselves. We're really against them. But forgiveness changes that, that focus. With this gift from God, not having to justify ourselves because he has justified us, we can focus on others and giving to them. Both spiritually, forgiveness, and then also physically. Now all this does not mean that we should try to imitate the Christians in the early church and try to form some Christian communistic communities. Some have tried it over the years. I'm not sure they, how they have turned out, but I can guess. Sooner or later, sin intrudes and causes even our best efforts to fail. No, we are in fact different people in a different time, and a different culture. So what we should do is to take those two truths that enabled them to live that way, the resurrection of Jesus from the dead and his life and the forgiveness of our sins, and apply them to our circumstances today. Well, if you did that, what would such a life look like? If the resurrection and life of Jesus was so real to you that everything else in this world paled in comparison. If you really stopped trying to defend and justify and exalt yourself and focused entirely on others. How would that change you and your life and our church? The second reading we heard today from the Apostle John talks about all this too, just in a slightly different way. He talks about having touched and seen the risen Jesus and the fellowship or the unity we have with each other because of our fellowship, our unity that we have in him. That is, that united to Jesus, reconciled to Jesus, we are reconciled and united to one another. We don't say that we have no sin or that others haven't sinned against us. Sin from us and against us is the reality of life in this fallen world. But we do have something more powerful than sin. The blood of Jesus that cleanses us from all sin. The forgiveness that creates our fellowship, that is, it changes our relationships with God and with one another. So sin no longer defines you or your relationships. Forgiveness does. Your sins, your shortcomings, your failures are not your story. The forgiveness in life of Jesus is. The forgiveness in life of Jesus, the uniting to Jesus you receive, 
when you are baptized into him. Now again, think about how your life would look. How our life here together as a church would look if that forgiveness and your baptism more fully defined you and your story. And I say more fully because it already does. Just maybe not as much as it should. For there is still division among us in the world, even in the church. So are we quick to accuse and slow to repent? Do we focus on some and ignore others? Do we see others as a brother and sister for whom Christ died? Or someone who's annoying and irritating and so to avoid? Are we lacking in love? Are we jealous instead of generous? Expecting instead of giving? Are we walking in the light? Or if not in the darkness, at least spending some time in the shadows? Now, it wasn't perfect in John's time. We shouldn't idealize the early church. John says he writes these things so that our joy may be complete. It's not yet. And it won't be on this side of eternity. But the life and forgiveness we need, we have. Because we have Jesus. Because he gives himself and all that he is. To us. Which is what we see in the third reading we heard today. The Holy Gospel. The familiar account of Jesus appearing to his frightened disciples. What are the marks of that account? The very same things. Resurrection and forgiveness. First, the risen Jesus appears to those disciples and shows himself truly risen and alive. Then he gives peace to their broken and restless hearts in the forgiveness of their sins. And then he commissions them to give this forgiveness and life to others. Real forgiveness, as if it came directly from him. And they do. For what is the first thing they do with the reconciliation and forgiveness, the fellowship and peace they have received? They go get Thomas. It is as John said, their joy would not be complete without him. There would be something missing or someone missing. And you know, maybe Jesus told them to do it. After all, in the gospel we heard last Sunday, the angel singled out Peter when he told Mary Magdalene, go tell his disciples and Peter. So, maybe here too. Jesus told them to go get Thomas and meet back here in this same place exactly one week later. And he would be here. How else would they know to gather again and expect Jesus? And so it is for us. Here we gather each week and the resurrected Jesus comes to us. First, he gives us peace in the forgiveness of our sins. We remember that we are baptized. 
Whatever you have done this week, however hard and however often you have fallen, you are his child and you are forgiven. Whether you denied like Peter, doubted like Thomas, betrayed like Judas, or sinned in any one of a thousand other ways, all has been cleansed by the blood of Jesus. You have peace and fellowship with God. You are forgiven. There's no sin too big, no stain in your soul too deep for the powerful blood of Christ to cleanse. Which is not then the freedom to go live however you want and sin however much you want. Because remember those Christians in the first reading from Acts. What did the resurrection, forgiveness, and fellowship of Jesus do to them? It changed them. Amplifying not their focus on themselves and what they could get and do for themselves, which is what sin is. It amplified their focus on others and what they could do and give for them. And they did. There was now something in their lives, a new reality that completely reordered their priorities. And those ten disciples wanted that for Thomas too. As did Jesus. As Jesus wants for all people. So we gather here, all of us foul sinners. All of us who have lived this week as if God did not matter and as if I mattered most. Who have lived as if Jesus wasn't risen at all and I had to get for myself what I could. Who have lived in competition, not service, and in doubt, not faith. And here Jesus says, not to put our fingers and hands into his holes inside. Even better, not us into him, but him into us. He places into our mouths that body and blood. And we say, my Lord and my God. And we who do not see are blessed. Blessed because we are reconciled to God, forgiven our sin, and have fellowship in Him. All that we need, we have. For life now, and life forever. And then like the ten, to go out and bring those who are not here, here. Where? Jesus will be for us again, next week, in word and sacrament. So look around. Who's missing? Our fellowship is not complete. Our joy is not complete without them. We need them. And they need us. And yes, there are a thousand things in life that get in the way. I don't think that's an accident. I think Satan knows exactly what he's doing to divide our fellowship with God and with one another. But whatever it is that is getting in the way, whether it is a large stone sealing a tomb, a burden in life, or something between Christians, the resurrection, forgiveness, and fellowship of Christ is greater. To restore what we lost, to repair what we damaged, to reconcile sinners. That's the new life we have in the risen Christ. It might look different among us now than it did among those first early Christians, but it's the same new life 
Of course, that new life you have received is renewed in you every day through the word and spirit of Christ. It's not just a Sunday thing. But this is our life together. Here, we have everything in common. Here, there is not high and low, better or worse. We're all children of God. Here, there is not less for some and more for others. We all receive the same. The same Jesus, the same forgiveness, the same gifts, the same life. Here, we are one heart and soul, one confession, one faith. Here, we are for one another. And just like those early Christians, that's special, even Remarkable. It's what many, so many people today are looking for and craving, especially in our dog eat dog world and nowadays in our separated and isolated world. Here is the risen Christ and the gift of his fellowship. Here is a unity not of this world. It's not what we have done. It's what he has done for us and brought us into. And blessed are we to be here. For blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Believed what? That Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. And here with forgiveness and new life for you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.